I want to welcome you guys to another episode of Not Too Preachy, uh, where you can be inspired, informed, uh, comforted, and convicted from the Word of God, just not too preachy. I'm your boy JB, and I'm going to be your host. And I say host because there's going to be some times where I may bring in uh, special guests. We may sit down at the table and chop it up and maybe an interview here or there. But uh, I am your host for tonight, and it's just me. Let's go ahead and get started um, with some shout outs. First off, I want to say happy birthday to my frat brother and, and Christian brother, Reverend Kevin Donaldson out there in Virginia. Happy birthday to your brother. I hope you enjoyed your day. Root to the good bros. Um, to my good friends, Andrew and Shamika Jones. Happy 19th anniversary. Happy 19th anniversary. Um, shout out because I've been on Facebook for about 30 minutes today. Uh, tonight, actually, I want to shout out to my brother Marcus Whitaker, who is a founder and pastor of the Life Church here in Houston, uh, by giving a mighty word tonight. So I was inspired. So I figured, you know, I'll pray and I'll give me a little word and then get juiced up before I come on live. So Marcus, I uh, really appreciate that word that you gave uh, tonight. I want to give out shout to uh, those who are considered essential people in this time of quarantine um, or whatnot, you know, if we're shelter in place or we lock down or whatever it is, um, again, to the medical personnel, nurses and doctors and orderlies, or I don't know if you call them orderlies anymore. No, you don't call them orderlies. But the people that are there uh, to support those who are sick and not just with uh, COVID-19, uh, but with any other ailment that they have. So I want to give a big shout out to them, the cafeteria workers that are still standing uh, on the sidewalks that are handing out uh, food, uh, custodians that are cleaning and cleaning and cleaning and cleaning so that whenever we get back to our school buildings, uh, they will be as sanitary as they can possibly be. Meredith, to people like you, big shout out to all of our new online teachers. Yes, not only the certified teachers, but the parents who have to figure out how to get through Google Classroom or figure out how to get through Schoology or through K-12 or to Khan Academy or to all of those different things to try and make sure we keep our kids sharp in preparation for a possible return. Uh, hopefully we'll get back before the year is out and when we get back, it is possible. Would you believe that it's actually possible that we can come back to our places of uh, work or school or whatever, possibly better? Our uh, kids will be better citizens. Not just better students, but, you know, thinking about the holistic child. I see a lot of people doing some cool things. I got my kids pulling tires. Other people are teaching their kids to ride bikes and plant gardens and all of those things, I believe, are essential. And that's the, one of the benefits of having homeschoolers now. The world is your classroom. The street is your classroom. The community is the classroom, but we're not just confined to the building. So I say, yeah, hey, let's be patient um, with our school districts that they try and build the online platforms. Uh, but also be patient with yourself and give yourself a little grace as you try to adjust during this time. Um, shout out to the people who are struggling this time with anxiety. Uh, that's a very uh, serious thing. Um, and so it's, it's not as easy uh, for people who struggle with real anxiety. And so, you know, make sure that you continue to pray uh, for those who may be struggling with anxiety during this time. You know, don't want to leave the house or feel like it's uh, like I got to get out of the house. So you're not quite sure what to do. And sometimes the anxiety just has you feeling trapped and you can't move. So uh, make sure that when you go and pray, you pray for those people that are struggling with anxiety during this time. Uh, I am vexed. Let me tell you why I'm vexed real quick. Uh, 
So this is, it's, it's not just about the fact that we're not at school, uh, but when we think about spring break and Christmas vacation and days off and those kind of things, here's the thing that really vexes me. I'll drive down the street around three o'clock or I may be driving down the street, the street, I said street, uh, the street around eight o'clock in the morning and the school zone lights are on. Everybody, everybody knows we're not in school. School district knows we're not in school. The government knows we're not in school, state and local. So it, it seems to me that somebody would say, you know what? We don't need to have the school lights on because I'm driving down the street and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. Because if Joe Policeman is there and he pulls me over and I'm driving through the school zone and I say, uh, but there's no school, am I going to get off? Or am I going to get a ticket? There's nobody in any of these buildings, but I ride down the street and I see the school lights blinking. Now, this is not just during the corona quarantine, but I'm talking about this goes on during spring break. Has that ever happened to you? And you're driving down and you want to just keep on driving at the regular speed limit, but somebody's driving slow and you're really not sure what to do. And that drives me crazy. And so one day I'm going to talk to one of my police officer friends, maybe James Brown, and he's over here in Brazoria County, and say, James, what am I supposed to do when I'm driving down the street and there's no school, but the school lights are still blinking in the zone? Am I supposed to go 20 miles per hour or am I supposed to drive the regular speed limit? That bothers me, that vexes me because I'm confused and I, I, don't just, I just don't know what to do. I'm vexed by that. Mm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, moving on. Tonight is a, is a, is a very, very special night uh, because I'm going to talk about something that's very close to my heart. A lot of people that may know me know that this is uh, something uh, that I wear around all the time. And you see this uh, 4142 uh, right here. And I, so I want to talk about uh, what that means. And if you, if you have a Bible, that's cool. If you don't, I'm going to read a little bit um, of it for you. But we're going to be coming out of Matthew chapter 25 tonight. Matthew chapter 25. Now, Matthew chapter 25 has uh, a group of parables uh, that are told by Jesus Christ. And the parables are about, you know, what is the, what is the kingdom like? And there are a lot of parables in the Bible and uh, the Gospels where Jesus is talking about the kingdom is like this, the kingdom is like that. And so one of the parables, the first one in Matthew 25 is the parable of uh, the ten virgins. Uh, five have the oil ready for the bridegroom to come. Uh, five don't. Um, and then when the bridegroom comes and it's time for the party, the ones that have their lights burning, they get in. Uh, the ones that didn't have oil, they were not a, around because they had to go buy oil when it was time to come in. They'd already locked the party. Um, and, but the second one is very similar to it, but I want to dig into the second one a little bit deeper, but keep in mind the ultimate goal, uh, one of the major themes of these two parables is that the king will return or the ruler will return. The bridegroom will return. The master will return at an unexpected time and we should be ready. It suggests two kinds of people. There are people that are ready. Uh, there are people that are not ready. Um, and upon his return, even though your work will make the distinction, um, he'll be able to separate the two. Um, and when you go toward the end of chapter 25, he calls them sheep and goat. So the sheep are the ones that's ready and the goat are the ones that's not ready. The sheep are the ones that get to come into the party and kick it intimately with the Lord. And then the goats are the ones that are left outside and then even cast outside to 
uh, Outer Darkness. But let's dig into uh, the second one a little bit more. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to read a couple of verses. But Matthew chapter 25, and we are, I want to start at verse 14. And yeah, I'll, I'll just read a couple of verses. It says, again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one uh, with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought the other five and said, Master, you have entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. And the master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge over many things. Come share your master's happiness. Or if you read another version, come enter into my joy. And so the same thing that happened with the servant that had five talents is the same thing that happened to the servant that had two talents. Uh, but then you have that one servant that had one and he buried his. And if you read a little bit further down, uh, you'll find out why he buried his, because he was simply afraid of the ruler. He was afraid of the master. And so instead of doing something productive with what the master had trusted him with, he just took it and buried it and gave it right back to him. Uh, seems like kind of a waste, don't you think? Let's talk about what a talent really is. A talent is an amount of money. It's not just any amount of money. It's an exorbitant amount of money. did a little bit of research, so I'm not sure if this is 100% accurate, but let's see if we can get an idea about how much um, a talent is. A talent is around $400,000 in this time. So that means two will be about $800,000, and then you get um, up to five, and you're talking about, you know, close to, you know, two million dollars. And so in this parable, Jesus is always using hyperbole because he wants you to see the extreme nature in which the master is trusting his service with an, <laughs> with an exorbitant amount of money, millions of dollars given to them. Now watch uh, what the Bible says. And Jesus says that the master gave each one of them a certain amount based on their ability to handle it. And so the one that got five, he got five because he could handle five. The one that got two, got two because he could handle two. And the one that got one, because he could handle one. And eventually, the master returns, and then he calls their accounts into questions. And so then the one that's five says, look, you gave me five. Here, I'll run you five back. I'm giving you ten. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many, many enter into my joy. That means come to the party. We're going to celebrate. Same thing with the one with two. Two said, hey, you gave me two. I'm going to run you another two. Here is four. The master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Come higher. I'll make you ruler over many. And then that one says, well, I knew that you were a hard man and you know, you plant seed where you want to plant it, or if you don't plant seeds, you can go pick it up because you, you're the man in this town, right? And so, and I, I was afraid and I operated out of fear, so I just buried mine in a hole. And you know what he called that servant? He said, wicked and lazy. And then he said, get out, you can't come to the party. Not only can you not come to the party, I want you in outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I thought that to be very uh, severe, 
and, and very harsh, but he's trusting you with what you're able to handle, uh, old servant of one talent, and you didn't do anything with it, and he rebuked him. Why would those first two servants do what they did with the money that was given to them? What was their motivation? What was their reason? What was their purpose for doing what they did with the talent? To please the master. They did not want to be caught with their work undone. They wanted the master to be happy. And they took, look, <laughs> they took a chance because just as easy as it went well, it could have gone bad. But they took a chance because I believe the master believed in them to handle what was given to them. And they did something with it. They wanted to show their faithfulness. They wanted the master to be pleased with their effort. And so you have an option. You have two that operate in faith and then you have one that operates in fear. The one that operated in fear ended up being cast out. But the two that operated in faith brought back the master a return on his investment because the master knew that those two were able to handle what he gave them. What does all of that matter though? What about us? What is our motivation? As a matter of fact, let me look you dead in your eye. What is your motivation? For the believer, our single motivation should be to please God and God alone by doing something with what he's given to us with the expectation that he's coming back and going to call us into account. With the hope of hearing two words, well done. Well, what has he given you? I'll give you a couple of options. How are you doing with your marriage? Are you taking your marriage and doing something special with it taking chances so that when you present it back to the master, when he calls you into question about what did you do with that wife I gave you? What did you do with that husband that I gave you that you have done so well that he'll say, well done. Uh, what about your children? How are you treating your children? How are you cultivating uh, growth in your children? How are you storing up something for your eventual uh, departure from this earth for your children? What about legacy? Are you doing something well so that when the master comes back and calls you into question, what did you do with the children that I gave you that you will have done well? And he'll say, well done. What about the job that we have, whether you're working from home or you're actually having to go in um, to your particular office or place of work? that you're working in such a manner that people would not just notice you, but they'll notice it's something different and maybe see the God in you, maybe see the light in you. And then when God calls you into question, he's going to ask, what did you do with that job that I gave you? You want to be able to say, I've done well, so that he can say, well done. What about that vision, that entrepreneurship opportunity, that business uh, that he planted in your mind that he gave you to do something with? Are you doing something with that to change this world, to make this world a better place to affect your street, your community, your city, your state, your nation, even the world? Because at some point the master is going to come back and he's going to ask, what did you do with the vision that I gave you? And you want to be able to say, I've done well, so that he can say, well done. Whatever it is, 
that God has entrusted you with. We are stewards over that. Remember, it's not ours, it's his. And someday he will return. And I know for me, and hopefully for you, I'd like to hear well done. Am I the greatest husband? No. But am I working to get better? Am I taking risks? Yeah. Am I the greatest father? No. But am I taking some risks and trying to cultivate my children? Absolutely. Am I the greatest son or the greatest brother, or even the greatest friend? No, none of those. But am I trying to do well so I can hear well? What did you do with the friends that I gave you? Am I the greatest runner of a nonprofit? No, by no stretch. But am I doing it to a point to where he'll come back and say, you did something with it. I gave it to you as a seed and you grew it into a plant at least. But you didn't bury it and just leave it there. What are you doing with the children that I surround you with? Are you, are you pouring into them? Are you cultivating that ground? Are you turning over that dirt so they can be better people because they passed your way? I, I want to hear, well done. That's, that's a very serious notion for us to consider whatever it is that you have in your possession that's valuable, that he's given you, to do something with it. Don't bury it because you're afraid of failure or you're afraid of disappointing God. If you couldn't handle it, he wouldn't give it to you anyway. So if you have it, the vision, the idea, the family, the spouse, the children, the whatever it is, the book, the business, then he expects us to do something with it. He is the only audience. Sure, I want to make mama proud and I want to make daddy proud and I want my children to be proud and I even want my friends to be proud and I want you guys to be proud. But ultimately, I'm doing everything that I'm doing for one audience and that's the Lord God. So that when I see him face to face, he'll say two words, well done. Everything that we as believers should do is for one audience the Lord God, for two words, well done. I'm gonna say it again, for one audience, for two words. That one audience is God, those two words are well done. So as the old saints would say, you don't wanna get caught with your work undone. Or as some of our new saints would say, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Yeah. Already. Two words for the night. I hope you guessed it. Those two words are well done. That's all I have for tonight. I told you it wasn't going to be long. Uh, the last time in the first episode was a lot of introductory stuff because I wanted to, to get to know who I am. But I'm also making sure that this is something you can listen to on your way to work. Um, something that you can uh, plug and play as you're doing your workout. Uh, and it doesn't eat up your time, but it's enough to feed your soul. Tune in next week as we begin our journey down the road to and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It will be the same black time, the same black channel. I'm on podcast. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I will have this up tomorrow on podcast. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Google Podcasts, and hopefully iTunes will be coming through soon. We'll see how that goes. Um, but until next time, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you and watch out for possums that um, walk around in the daytime.
Peace and love, y'all.